If you've been following our SIVKL services, uh, we've landed ourselves in the book of Jude. It's an amazing book. I, you know, before I go on, I just want to encourage everybody, um, take up your Bibles, uh, whether digital or hard copy, just take up your Bibles and please, please highly encourage you to read through the book of Jude. Why? Because, hey, you know, it has only one chapter and only 25 verses. It's like reading 25 sentences and you're done with one book and you can, you know, take it off in your New Year's resolution that I, hey, you know, I finish one book in 2021 which is technically true, is the book of Jude, um, because the Bible actually consists of 66 books, right? Um, and if you're following the book of Jude, you know, uh, as, as you know, Jude is the brother of Jesus, right? And I can just, I can just picture, can you just picture um, just a conversation between Jude and Jesus uh, back in the day? And Jude is like, hey, Jesus, Jesus. Um, okay, now I know that you're the Messiah and the whole, the whole Bible is about you and all these books about you. Can I please, as your brother, <laughs> write one book <laughs> in, 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 in this canon that you call the Bible? Is it okay? I think, and Jesus is like, all right, all right, we'll, we'll give you 25 sentences, all right? Just summarize the whole gospel in 25 sentences. And Jesus is like, okay, challenge accepted, Jesus. All right, here's, here's my idea. Just hear me out, Jesus. Jesus, you're about truth and grace, right? So you bring truth and you're about grace to the people, right? And I'm gonna give you grace to live your life, says Jesus, but I'm, I'm your brother. So I tell you what, I tell you what, I'm gonna bring the people truth and mercy, all right? So when they read my book of Jude, after they finish reading my book, they would want to come to you, Jesus, and ask for mercy. Um, if you don't understand the joke, you're gonna to have to read the book of Jude because here in the book of Jude, three times, uh, uh, the word mercy is mentioned. And the middle portion of the book of Jude, um, after you read it, man, it's power packed, it's punchy, and it's like every sentence gives you a KO punch, right? Because it's, 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 it's really meaty. So um, uh, enough of my um, really lame jokes. Uh, the only person laughing in this whole room is myself and, and the camera. I hope the camera's laughing with me. <laughs> I, I, <clears throat> I thought it was a funny joke. But let's, let's come into the book of Jude. And I want to, uh, um, we've got two sermons so far. And today I've landed in verse 5 to verse 10. So it's only five verses, but it's, it's, it's weird. It's juicy, right? It's really weird. I, want, I really want to explain the weirdness of these five verses and I hope it really speaks to us this morning. So I'm giving you time, whip up your Bibles, otherwise you'll come up on the screen and I invite all of you to read together with me. Is that okay? So in three, two, one, let's go. Verse five, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. K.O. Punches, K.O. Punches, verse 8. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. 
Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do not understand uh, and what things they do understand by instinct like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. You know, I want to pay special atten attention to verse 10. And it's, it, it's verse 10 where I get my title. Yet these men speak abusively. Yet these men speak slanderously against whatever they do not understand. You know, in, in these times and in these ages, do you feel like um, there's a lot of criticism? There's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of, you know, just very negative attitude towards almost everything. Everything, you know, everybody's offended by everything. Everybody has to blame somebody in this, in this world now. And, and really, this is verse 10. Yet these men, yet all men, Yet we men, whatever it is, speak slanderously against whatever they do not understand. And that's where I really get my title today. And I'm quite excited to bring this message because, man, it's close to home, right? It's close to home. And I'll explain why. The title of my sermon today is, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. And if, if you, before I even go in my sermon, if, if you feel like, at some point in 2021, you, you utter those words, God, I, I don't understand. God, why would you play this, pray this prayer with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we just surrender our hearts to you. We surrender the book uh, and your word to you and surrender our hearts to you and say, come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, we give you permission today. Holy Spirit, we give you uh, uh, permission to speak to us, to come live with us, to come be with us in our homes. Lord Jesus Christ, impress upon us the word of God today and change our lives. We thank you, Jesus, because we love you. We give glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we, like I said before, we live in a season where there are so many things we really don't understand. Don't you think? We, we well, I say we, I guess we ordinary, simple people, even though we've reached the so-called pinnacle of human civilization. You know, we were going deeper in the ocean in 2021 than we've ever been before. We are going higher into space, you know, ordinary men going higher into space than we've ever done before. But yet there's so many things in this world that we really, really don't understand, right? The, why, is, why is there this virus? Why is there so many mutation of the virus, right? First, you've got the alpha, you've got the beta, you've got the delta. Uh, which is causing all these lockdowns. Thank you very much, the Delta variant. Then you got the Gamma. Then you got the Lambda. Then you got the original variant. You know, there's change of governments every time we turn on news. And like, God, I don't understand why. And if you're going through life at every stage in every season of your life, whatever and however old you are, you will be somewhere uttering those words. God, why? God, I don't understand. If you're a student uh, uh, studying in university, you're looking forward to university life, you just want to make friends, you want to explore the new world, whether overseas or locally, but you can't. You're, you're, you're at home, you're, you're online, you're, you're just by yourself, right? This is supposed to be the prime of my life, to enjoy my life before I go to work. God, why? Then when you go to work and you graduate, then you realize, hey, the economy's not doing so well. There are not so many jobs in the market, right? Uh, my career path didn't really start as well as I thought I wanted it to be. 
God, why? And then you, you enter uh, uh, young adults and then you may be single out there. This is the time where you want to you wanna mingle. This is the time where you want to date. You want to meet the opposite sex and you just, you know, you just want to have a, you just want to explore relationships, but you're locked down. You're at home. You're lonely and you're like, God, why? Right? And then you're a young parent. You have two boys at home like myself. And then you're, you're saying, God, I, I just want my kids to go out and play. Uh, because I want them to make friends, but also because, I, you know, my wife and I, we want some sanity at home, just a, a little short break. We love our kids, but a short break once in a while. God, why? But maybe you grow older and <clears throat> maybe you, you're going through financial difficulties at maybe even 45 or 55 years old. You financial difficulties, health difficulties, right? And you, you're just like, God, why? I don't understand. I really don't understand, you know? For the younger generations, maybe those maybe below 30, when you're going through all this job, COVID, you look at Malaysia, and I know there are people out there that go, God, why am I here? Is it better to move? God, I don't understand why I'm stuck in this country. And today, if you fall in any of these categories, this sermon really is for you. And I hope it really speaks to you this morning because I'm going to bring you three points. The first point being my title, God, I, I don't understand. The second point is, God, I don't want to understand. And my third point is, God, help me understand. Three simple points, and I hope it really sticks. You know, when, when we talk about understanding things, when we talk about understanding the heart of God and the, you know, the big plans of God, it really draws me to one particular chapter in the Bible. And if, and if you if you are familiar, it is the, the book of Ephesians. See, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, I can't read the whole thing. It is pretty lengthy. It's almost uh, uh, as long as the whole book of Jude. Uh, go home and read chapter 1 because it's an amazing prayer that you can declare over your life or over the life of your family. But I want to draw attention to just three verses about understanding uh, the heart of God. And I'm going to read to you from verse 17 to verse 19. And then I'm going to uh, comment. Is that okay? The first point, God, I don't understand. Verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Important, pay attention. That the God, our Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart, and in some translation it says, the eyes of your heart, understanding, may be enlightened, may be illuminated, right? Um, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. This is a power-packed verse, but I want you to pay close attention to verse 18, because verse 18 says that I pray also, Paul prays that the eyes of our heart the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. You know, when you read a verse like this, several questions start to pop up. The first question being, what does it mean, uh, the eyes of my understanding, the eyes of my heart? What does it mean that my heart has eyes, that my understanding has eyes, right? And then he goes on to say that it may be enlightened. That means what? Enlightened means illuminated. Illuminated means that the light will enter, that I can see. Does it mean that I have eyes in my heart that is in darkness? Those are the assumptions that Paul's, Paul is living with. And those are the assumptions that some, sometimes we need to take account in our lives. That sometimes when, 
when we fail to understand that, when we, we, we immediately move to conclude, that we immediately uh, move to, to judge or to condemn something or to, to, to blaspheme or to slander something, it really shows that we just don't carry the spirit of understanding and wisdom and revelation that God wants us to have. That our heart has eyes, that our heart has vision, our understanding has vision. And it, 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 it assumes here, and it assumes correctly, that sometimes all of us, our eyes are blind. That we can go on life alive, but yet we are groping in the dark because we cannot see. That our understanding is blind. It is almost like there is a veil over our eyes and we cannot see. And all we can see is what's in front of us, which is, you know, something that, you know, we perceive in our own eyes, in our own flesh, our vision is impaired. It just means that when our vision is impaired, our understanding is so off. And that is, that is like, the, I, I believe, is like the number one cause of almost every argument. A miscommunication, a misunderstanding, I misread you, I don't understand, so I, I jump to a conclusion. And that's like almost, almost every uh, uh, argument, right? Uh, and Paul says that it may be enlightened. And he goes to show that, hey, you know, most of us, we're, we're, we're walking in darkness. We're, we're walking with visually impaired hearts. And, and Paul says, we need God to shine his light through. And the moment God shines his light through, he shines it with the spirit of wisdom. He shines it in with the spirit of revelation. He shines with the spirit of hope and the spirit of power. Read Ephesians, spirit of wisdom that God would open up your minds to understand the things of God. The spirit of revelation to open up our minds and our hearts to understand what's ahead of us. The spirit of hope that what's ahead of us can be realized because in Jesus Christ, He is the fulfillment of all hope. Then the spirit of power, the spirit of power to fulfill and says, I have the power that is Jesus Christ living in me in order to walk this journey that I will not be blind. You see, a lot of us, sometimes when we fail to connect with God, when we fail to soak ourselves in God's presence, we walk around spiritually blind. That's point number one. God, I don't understand. And most of us, we go, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. Which leads me to point number two. When we walk around saying to God, God, I don't understand for far too long and we don't even want to understand. Point two, God, I I don't want to understand anymore. God. I don't want to understand. And that's where we land ourselves in the book of Jude. And Jude just almost takes off from this narrative. And Jude chapter 5, uh, sorry, chapter 1, uh, verse 5 to 10, almost explains to us what happens to us when we fail to understand, when we don't want to understand anymore and we fail. Let me explain. Let me go verse by verse, if that's okay. Verse 5, it says, Though you already know all this, I want to remind you, all this means the gospel. I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. What a, what a power-packed verse right there. That's, that's, man, that's a KO punch, right? It goes to show that, you know, God blessed the people of Israel. God delivered them out of Egypt. God, man, God came in, the, in fire and cloud and the ten and the ten plagues and they gave them miracles after miracles they split the red sea but yet the people's heart were hardened yet the people did not believe in god and wanted to go back to egypt go back to the sins that they were so familiar with and god says god judged them god condemns them god judged them uh, for eternity you see what happens when we don't want to understand we give in to the spirit of unbelief it takes over he says you don't want to understand the spirit of unbelief takes over 
That spirit of unbelief works this way. You know, when God blesses us with something, maybe a small thing, maybe a financial blessing, a health blessing, a family blessing, a love blessing, whatever blessing that God brings into our life, we look at it and go, meh, meh. All right, God, you know, thank you, I guess, but I'm going to move on. And if we go back to our sins, we go back to our old habits. Maybe, maybe God showed us the joy of our salvation, but in 2021, we go, meh, we forgot. We go back to our old habits and God says, do not give in to the spirit of unbelief. You know, in all our misunderstandings of what's happening in the world today, it is very easy for us to say, God, are you even there anymore? God, I don't understand any of these things. And it's, it's been one and a half years of me not understanding. I don't even think you're even there anymore. I'm going to walk the other way. Don't give in to the spirit of unbelief. Walk in the ways of Jesus Christ. Number six, I mean, verse six. You see, after the, the spirit of unbelief, there's another spirit that kicks in. Verse six. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. If you, if you got a KO punch on the left, this verse is a KO punch to the right, right? It says, and the angels who did not keep their positions. Now, before I continue, I want to say something about the book of Jude. The book of Jude really uh, uh, brings up a lot of wordings. It brings up a lot of mythological legends, right? But the book of Jude is not, is not trying to get us uh, hooked up and, 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 and obsessed about what does the word angels mean? Because the book of Jude says, I want you to see the bigger picture of what I'm trying to tell you. You see, when it says here, and the angels, and what does angels mean? Does it mean actual angels? But angels could also mean a word to describe maybe great men of the day, mighty men, mighty warriors. It could also describe the people that God has given authority, like leaders. Moses could be an angel, maybe. Joshua could be an angel, maybe. Abraham. Like, for example, in the New Testament, the brothers and sisters of the church are called the saints. Now, now am I a saint? I'm, I, I, I don't feel like a saint. But it's, no, it's just a word to describe the brotherhood and the sisterhood in the church, just like here. So let's not fixate on what does angel really mean, but let's keep our eyes on the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is this, that these great men, these mighty men, the men of position, gave, them, gave up their position, abandoned their authorities, abandoned their homes, and God judged them. God condemns them. You see, when God gives us a purpose, See, when God saves you and He calls you and He gives you a purpose, automatically He gives you positions of authority. Almost automatically, God is saying that I entrust you with the gospel. I entrust you with the Holy Spirit. I entrust you with the Word of God. I entrust you with, with the knowledge that God is downloading to us every single day. I entrust you. But if you abandon that authority, you're almost telling God, almost two things. Number one, God, I no longer want to submit under your authority. What spirit is this? It's a spirit of rebellion. It's a spirit of rebellion. When we rebel against God's authority and says, God, you are no longer, I don't want you to be the authority of my life anymore. I don't want to submit under you anymore. I don't understand why you put me through all the difficulties and hardships of my life. So I don't, I don't want to submit under you anymore. That's, that's position number one. And if you want to go even further to position number two, you will then say, God, I tell you what, I want to be the ultimate authority of my life. You're not the authority. He, she, he, she, they're not the authority. I am the authority of my life. I will do what I want. Nobody controls me. I controls me. 
I am self-determined. Right? Spirit of rebellion. When you go against every authority, when you go and rebel against every authority. Now, I don't want to talk about the spirit of rebellion much, but I want us to check our spirits. Are we festering some sort of rebelliousness within us? Whether for God, whether for church, whether for our parents, whether for government, whether for our teachers, people in authority. Are we festering any spirit of rebellion? And if you are, God is saying, oh, ask God for mercy and forgiveness today and come back and align ourselves with God. See, when you, when you entertain the spirit of unbelief and you say there's no God, then you entertain the spirit of rebellion, that you rebel against all authority that God has placed over us. Then we go into verse 7. It says, In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. So once we rebel against authority, we rebel against every boundary that that authority sets before us. And we give ourselves up to the spirit of perversion. You know, one of the big boundaries God puts before us is the boundary of sexuality and sex. And God is saying that these are the boundaries. Don't cross it. But we give in to the spirit of perversion. And you know, I just want to speak very quickly to a lot of us here. In lockdown, when we're alone at home, don't give in to the spirit of perversion. Don't. It is a fight. I want to speak specifically to men now. Men, I know we're built. We're built to be warriors, right? That's in our, at least like in our chromosomes of DNA. We're built to be fighters, warriors. We want to climb the, the career ladder. We want to climb, conquer that mountain. We want to, we want to, we see a mountain and it says, I'm going to, I'm going to conquer you, right? Uh, you know, we're born to be hunters. We're going to be warriors. But can I say, we're not warring against flesh and blood. We're warring against the principalities of the air now. Think of this as a fight, a fight against the spirit of rebellion, unbelief, and perversion and will we fight together because together we're going to overcome see when we give into the unbelief rebellion and perversion there's only one more spirit that is left in the book of Jude and it's found in verse 10 and it's the spirit of this yet these men speak abusively yet these men speak slanderously against whatever they do not understand abusively slander what slander slander is defined as false accusation defaming someone because hey i am the boss now i can do whatever i want there's no boundaries so i tell you what i'm gonna accuse and slander every single one that stands in my way and we find that more and more increasingly in 2020 and 2021 don't you think we go against everything we criticize everything and we're angry and we're frustrated at everything i want you to just Put what everything is for you because there's so much to cover. But I want to just, before I move on, I want to say, let's watch our tongues. Before we even utter a word of criticism, utter a word of mockery, utter, utter a word of false accusation, let's watch it. Why should we watch it? It's actually found in verse 9. And let me spend a little bit more time in verse 9 now. Uh, because it's a little, a little weirder. Verse 9 says, But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebukes you. 
What? Why in the world did Jude put verse 9 here? Almost smack in the middle of the whole chapter. And why did Jude bring up the imagery of a, a, a mythological legendary story? You know, if Jude writes to his Jewish, Jewish readers. So if you were a Jew, and, and you, especially in those times, and you read this text, you would automatically know, oh, so Jude is talking about the legend of back then. Oh, okay, okay, I see. And you connect. You automatically know, and you probably know the long story, the short story, you know, version one, two, three, you know, uh, uh, said by your parents and your, your grandfather and everything. It's almost like we Malaysians. Um, if you ask any Malaysian, you would, and you say, hey, you know the legend of uh, Putri Gunung Ledang? Um, almost, almost every Malaysian would go, oh, okay, I know that legend. Oh, okay, is, is, is this what you're trying to say? Is that what you're trying to say? Which version of, the of this mythological legend do you know? Is it version one, version two, right? Um, how many versions are there? I, I don't know anymore. I've lost track of the story. But that's what Jude was trying to emote in his, in his reading. He's trying to bring people back to Deuteronomy chapter 2. 34 verse 6. You see, this, this whole myth and legend stems from literally just one verse. And this verse states um, that Moses died in Moab opposite Beth Peol. And up to this day, nobody knows where his grave is. And that's scriptural, that's canon, that's, that's biblical, right? Nobody knows where Moses was buried. And Moses was furthermore buried in the land of his enemies. So this gives rise to a story and a legend that says that, hey, we don't know where his grave is because maybe, maybe the devil wants it. Maybe the devil took it. Maybe the devil uh, robbed us of his grave. So we don't know where his body is, right? Maybe his grandfather's story. Like I said before, let's not miss the forest for the, uh, for, for the brunch, right? Let's not miss the, the tree for the brunch uh, uh, and say, hey, it is not so much whether the myth is accurate? Is it scriptural? Is it biblical? Is it canon? Are you sure? Let's, let's study and, and, and study and go into great detail this myth. Are there any archaeological evidences for the myth? No. What Jude is trying to tell us is that, hey, there is an archangel Michael. Now, he, who is this guy? He is the general of God's angelic army. So, you know, if you, if you imagine a battle angel, uh, Michael would be it. So he wields probably a sword, a flaming sword, as I like to think in my head. Um, he's got wings, um, probably. Uh, okay, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to go into <laughs> how I imagine Michael to be, but he's, you know, he's a strong guy. You know, he's fearsome, right? We fear him. And then when the devil wants to take Moses' body, and when the devil comes up against Michael and says, hey, 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 do you know that Moses don't deserve salvation? Moses don't deserve to go to heaven because do, do you remember Moses sinned here? Moses sinned there? Moses fell here? Moses did disgusting things here? Do you remember Moses' life? Because I know everything. I, I know all the details. Remember when Moses thought about that thing over there and that was against God and Moses fell because he, did, he slandered this? It's a sexual fall or is it a money fall? Do you remember all of it? And Archangel Michael came up against the devil and says, I will not utter a slanderous, blasphemous word against you. Why? Is Satan not the father of all slanderers? You know, we're in the Olympic season, right? If there, if there is a race to see who is the greatest slanderer, I think Satan would win by a mile. Give him the gold medal and the silver medal and the bronze medal, right? He wins by a mile. He's the father of all slanderers. Don't you think he deserves to be slandered? 
I mean, to be rebuked for his slanders? And, and don't he think he deserves judgment for his slanders? And Michael says, it's not my place. I'm not going to slander you, but instead the Lord rebukes you. You see, why, why did Michael not say it? For two reasons. Let me tell you for two reasons. Number one, Michael understands his position in the hierarchy of God, in God's kingdom. He understands that there is not one single person on earth who is eligible to condemn, who is eligible to judge, who is eligible uh, to slander and blaspheme. Not one person eligible to judge and condemn. Only Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus Christ doesn't slander or blaspheme. But only Jesus Christ is eligible to judge. When he comes again, he's the great judge. And in that judgment, it's either you're saved or not saved. He's the only one. And Michael says, it is not my place. It is my place to fight you. But it is not my place to condemn you. So Satan, the Lord rebukes you, not me. Important lesson. When we look at our friends or family and we say, we criticize, we judge, we condemn. I want us to take a step back and say, maybe it's not our place. Maybe only Jesus Christ has that. What is our place? What is our authority? For Michael, it is to fight heavenly battles. And for us, it is to declare that God is good. It is to encourage. It is to edify. It is to spread the good news. It is to make disciples. It is to baptize. It is to teach people to obey the great commandments. That's our authority. And that's what, that is what God has called us to do. So let's keep within the boundaries of the authority God has given to us. That's point number one. But point number two is, to me, a lot more interesting. You see, Michael doesn't want to blaspheme against Satan. Why? We know what slander means, but what does blaspheme mean? Blaspheme means to speak irreverently against God, to disrespect God and to disrespect the acts of God. Michael understands a concept that a lot of us, including me, sometimes we fail to understand, that God can turn evil for good. You see, Michael understands that even though Satan is slandering, even though Satan is blaspheming, even though Satan is judging and condemning, Michael says, wait a minute, hold on. Maybe God can even use this evil and turn it for good. Like in the story of Genesis 50, 20, God says, you intended it for harm. Sorry, Joseph said, you intended harm. You intended evil to befall me. But God turned it around for good. So he understood that concept. So he didn't dare blaspheme. Now you ask, how do I know that this story ends well? How do I know that the devil lost and God turned it around for good? Interesting, because a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, four, six thousand years later, we find ourselves in the book of Matthew, all the way from Deuteronomy to Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 16, we find ourselves in a story of the transfiguration. And in the story of transfiguration, Jesus, as in his human nature, brought Peter, James, and John, his three closest disciples, up to the mountain. And up the mountain, he showed Peter, James, and John his divine self, that he is God, not just man in flesh, but he's also divine. He's God, he's Jesus Christ. And then he says, on to his left and on to his right, there were two angels. And there were Moses and there were Elijah. And I bet at that moment, there were so many things going on in Peter, James, and John's head. 
And I bet one of those things is they remembered a Jewish myth, a legend that says that the devil took Moses' body. But when they saw Moses next to Jesus, they said, wait a minute. God turned a very ugly, slanderous, blasphemous story and he turned it around for good because Jesus says, hey, by the way, Moses is with me now. His body is not with the devil. The devil lost. The devil was rebuked by God. Moses is with me. And I bet, this is my imagination, I bet Moses was standing there going, hey guys, I bet you thought I was with the devil, huh? No, I'm with Jesus now. (laughs) I bet it was a celebration. Don't you think? The point of this story is, God can turn evil for good. I want us to take that home today in this, in, this, in this sermon today. That whatever you're going through in your life, whatever hardships you're going through in your life, whatever difficulties you're going through in your life, whatever financial problems you're going through in your life, always remind yourself of Genesis 50, 20. Take it and memorize that scripture today and says, devil, you intended it for harm. You intended all these difficulties to hurt me, to harm me, to bring me evil. But I tell you what, devil, the Lord God is going to give you a KO punch today because the Lord my God, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts can turn it around and I know that God has good in store for me. All I need to do is to be faithful, to trust and to keep my eyes on Jesus because at the end of this story there is going to be good. I know it. I believe it because scripture says so. Lord, Lord God, Oh Lord Jesus, will you take all our situations, all our harmful situations right now and will you turn it for good? S-I-B-K-L, will you claim that promise for yourself today? Will you claim that promise based even in the book of Jude that God is going to turn your life around for good? Which brings me to my final point. Help me understand. You see, my title is God I Don't Understand. And there may be so many things in our lives right now that we do not understand. But in those three words, I don't understand, we need to change it to another three words, help me understand. We need to say, God, will you help me understand? Like Ephesians 1, that prayer that Paul prayed for the church is going to be our prayer today. And I want to declare it in your life that we're all going to take the position of humility. We're going to ask the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of humility to just come in us, to bend our knees and say, God, help me understand. I don't want to stew in my misunderstandings. I don't want to steal in my rebellion and slander, but God, I want to understand. In Ephesians 1, it says, God, will you imbue in me the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of hope, and the spirit of power so that I can walk in understanding, so that the problems of the world is only at this level. But God, I want to see you on this level. I want to climb above the problems and have the vision of God. God, your thoughts are above my thoughts. Your ways are above my ways. And I want to be here with you. I want to be in your presence. I want to spend time with you. I want to be able to say, now church, say it with me. If you're going through financial difficulties this season, pray today. God, 
open up my eyes of understanding. If you're going through marital problems today, would you pray, God, open up my eyes of understanding. If you're going through, uh, uh, you're a student and you're going through school problems today, would you also say, God, open my eyes of understanding. If you're a single and you're looking for a partner but it's so difficult, would you say, God, open my eyes of my understanding. If you're, if you're a young parent and it's so difficult with children at home, would you also pray, God, open my eyes of my understanding. If you're going through health problems and you know your loved ones going uh, suffering from COVID-19 or other health problems, would you say today, God, open the eyes of my understanding so that I can ride this storm with you, so that I can believe in my heart of hearts that you can turn this evil around for good. Would you pray that prayer today? Will you have that faith today? Will you? You know, in this 40 days fast and pray that we churches are going through, it's amazing that there's one verse anchoring us and it rings in my head again and again. Psalms 46 verse 10. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is God. That He is still God above the problems. We've got government problems. It's all right. God is my government. God is my ultimate government. He is my authority. Then no matter what happens on the world, He will still be my authority. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. Open up my eyes of my understanding so that I can see the political realm with a new spiritual eye. God, I want to be still and know that I am God. I want to have the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of hope, and the spirit of power today. Church, if this sermon spoke to you, touched you in your spirit in any way, would you take a step of faith? I can't see you. Would you stand up, raise your hands? Because I'm gonna pray the prayer of Ephesians over your life today. And would you stand up and would you receive this prayer and say amen to this prayer? 17 to 19. If that is you, will you stand up and raise your hands and then keep your hands up because we're going to worship. 17, it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, church, may give you, my friends, may give you, my brothers and sisters, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation so that you may know Him better. I also pray that the eyes of your heart the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, will be illuminated. Lord, shine your light in the darkness of our lives, O God, in order that we, in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, that there is a hope for your future, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great power for us who believe that God has a great power for you. You know, there's, we're going to end with this worship song, and it's an amazing song. It says, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom to do the things that you do. Hallelujah. Will you keep our hands up and you just worship and be still and know that He's God in this worship song. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Lord God, we don't understand so many things, but we don't need to know it all. We just need to trust in the one 
that knows it all. That is you, Jesus Christ. So today we put our trust in you. We put our faith in you, the Lord God Almighty. Will you separate us now with your wisdom, with your revelation, with your hope, with your power, and with your love? Will you watch our going in and our going out? Thank you, Jesus. We love you. All glory and honor goes into your name. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen.